we go. Eight keys to victorious living. I know for me, uh, I, I look around and I, I think about God, and I think about how spiritual God is. The Bible even says God is a spirit. I believe in the book of John, maybe around chapter 4. And we know that God is spirit. God is a spirit. God is spirit. Uh, God uh, encompasses the whole universe. He's a big God. He's all of those things. But you know, one of the things that you realize when you start thinking about God is that God is also very practical. God is a practical God as well. As spiritual as God is, he's very practical. In other words, God didn't just create us uh, to be in this three-dimensional world, to be in this physical realm and say, all right, good luck being spiritual. Go out there and then try to work your way back to being spiritual. He didn't do that for us. He gave us principles. He gave us keys. Uh, he gave us points, <laughs> come on, that we can follow and uh, have a victorious life. Uh, you know John 10.10 10, where it says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come. Uh, in the King James, he says, I am come. In other words, I'm here now that you might have life and that, and that you might have it more abundantly. Think about this word abundantly for a moment. Abundantly means in large quantities, plentiful, extremely, a large or sufficient amount. And the dictionary actually has our little catchphrase in church, more than enough. More than enough. It means more than enough. So when you say that, well, what does that mean? More than enough what? I mean, immediately for us as human beings, we may start thinking about, uh, well, more than enough, more than enough money more than enough food, more than enough houses, more than enough cars, more than enough what? What does it mean? Well, why don't we just look at what Jesus said? He said, I am come that they might have what? Life. And that they might have it more abundantly. So does that include all of those things? Sure, it includes uh, the material realm and all of those things. But I think if we think in terms of uh, you know, I might have more money than I've ever needed, and we stop there, we're, 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 we're coming much short of what God wants us to have and be. Uh, because you must understand that we need money. Come on. But the blessing isn't money. In fact, the blessing that God talks about isn't anything material. The blessing is empowerment. The blessing is the anointing to overcome every situation up to including and beyond money, sickness, disease, uh, being delivered from things that so easily beset us, offenses, beyond all of those things. Jesus said, I come that they might have life, 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 and have it more abundantly. That means every area of your life, God wants you to live abundantly. And I believe it begins really with our attitude toward it. Come on. Paul said these words. You, you know, you read the Bible and you, you read one scripture here and you read another scripture over here. And for those who don't really study and pray and try to understand what God is saying, you would think that the Bible contradicts itself. Because Jesus said, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Paul in another uh, location said, uh, whether I abase or I abound, uh, I'm content. And so you would think that that is contradictory, but it's not. I believe that being content wherever you are is also living in abundance. 
Because you must understand that God knows everything that you need. He knows it. He knows everything that you want. But as we've talked about this whole year, we know what God wants from us first. It's no problem for God to bless you with money. No problem. It's, it's not a problem. Don't fear the prosperity message or the faith message or whatever you want to call it. Don't fear it. Because, you want to know why? Because it's no issue for God. Those things are not an issue for him. God is not sitting up there thinking about, oh, are you blessed and highly favored? Uh, are, are you speaking the right thing so that I can bless you with all of these things? You know what God is thinking about? Can anybody tell me what God is thinking about? Take a guess. You. He's thinking about you. He's got all that. He's got money. He's got healing. He's got deliverance. Let's put it another way. You know what I'm about to say. He is money. He is healing. He is deliverance. He is all of those things. God is love. He doesn't lack anything. And he doesn't want you to lack anything. But he's thinking about you. Now, what does he want you to think about? Come on. He wants you to think about him. If your mind is on money, if your mind is on your circumstances, if your mind is on your sickness, if your mind is on your sin, then if that's what's consuming you, you're not, your mind is not on him. And that's exactly where the devil wants you. He wants your mind on all the things that are around you so that you won't be focused on God. But Jesus said, I want you to live victorious. And I don't know about you, but as I look around to my Christian brothers and sisters, and I tell you what, it really begins looking in the mirror. Come on now. As I look around and I see how we're living as Christians, sometimes I say, I don't know if we're living victoriously. And it begins in the mirror. I just don't know if we're living victoriously. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean because I have some bills? What does it mean? Does it mean because, uh, you know, there's some relationships in my family that are not all together where they should be? I think that those things can be part of it. But you know when you're living victoriously. I think because you have a peace. You just know. It's like being saved. You just know that no matter what comes, large bill, no bills. Hospital call, doctor calls, nobody calls. Come on. From here to there, you know when you're living victoriously because it depends on your relationship with God. Well, through all this, you might say, well, I, you know, it's still a little confusing. I mean, are you saying that we should have material things and we know we're living victoriously or we should have good relationships or should I never be sick or what exactly are you saying? Well, why don't we get into Scripture to see what the Holy Spirit is saying? And in this particular series, he's speaking through Peter to us. Second Peter, we're going to begin right in chapter 1, Peter number 2nd, right at chapter 1, right at verse 1. And go down through about verse 10 or 11. And let's see what the Holy Spirit is telling us about victorious living. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Bible says that Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you 
in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given, given, not going to give, not one day will give, but his divine power has given to us all things. How many things? All things that pertain to life. That means there's nothing left out. Everything you need to know that pertains to life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, because of that, giving all diligence, he says this, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Now, listen to what Peter says. He says, for if, if, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren and sisters, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do, if you do, D-O, do, D-E-W, D-U-E, if you do, D-O, if you do, do these things, you will never. Somebody say never. never. One more time, say never. never. It says you will never stumble. The King James says fall. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly, abundantly, there's that word, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, if you do these things, you will never. Now, I'm not making this up. I mean, the Holy Spirit spoke this through Peter to you and I. Never, never, never stumble. This word never comes from a Greek word that is defined this way. It means never not at any time, no, not even, ever. Not at any time, no, not even, ever. I'm not giving this to you from my knowledge. I just want to keep reminding you of that in case you think it's unbelievable. But it says you will never, and then it says stumble in the New King James, I love the King James in this particular instance because th that, that Greek word again is closer to fall. 
Because you can stumble and not fall. You ever done that? You ever been walking? I mean, I, I might be the only one that's, I, I've both stumbled and fell. Come on. I think I'd rather stumble and not fall. I remember one time I was on my way to work uh, in my early 20s, and it, there was snow and ice everywhere, and I pulled up in the parking lot, and my job was such that uh, the other guys, we had what we call a ready room, because I was in telecommunications, and we would go in and get all our work orders ready, and then go out for the day and do our jobs. And some of the other guys had got there before me, and they were in the room, and there was a glass window, a big glass window that looked outside. And so I pulled up in the parking lot, and I was kind of running a little bit late. And uh, I wasn't late yet, but I was almost late. So I said, if I don't want to be late, I need to rush into. So I, I, I closed the door, got out of my car, started rushing, and did look like a cartoon. And I got up as soon as I could, as fast as I could, because I was thinking maybe the other guys didn't see me. And they were looking and just bust out laughing, cracking up at me. Not so much because I failed, but because of how I got back up so fast, trying to act like I didn't fall. You see, falling can be embarrassing for us. <laughs> falling is not a good thing. It's not something that we want to do. And in our spiritual life, we certainly don't want to fall. You know, falling is synonymous with a lot of things. Falling can be synonymous with backsliding. You ever heard that in church? Some of you church people who've been going to church a long time? Well, that pastor, he was a good pastor, but he fell. Well, what does that mean? He was walking across the pulpit and he tripped on something? No, I mean, he committed a sin, whatever it might mean. He fell. So falling can mean a lot of things. Falling can, means, uh, can mean that you, uh, you know, you're, you're behind on all your bills and you fell. You fell back. But this passage of Scripture says that if you do, do, if you do, if you do, do. These things you will never. Now, you repeated never, so you know it said never. Not at any time. No, not even ever. You will never fall. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems a little unbelievable to me. I mean, I don't know. You guys are, you might be taking it like, yeah, you know, right, big deal. That's the scripture. But for me, it's like, really? What are you saying, Jesus? Never? I will never fall? Never, ever, never fall? Now, when we look at our lives, here's, here's the issue that we have. And Jody reminded me of something on Wednesday night. By the way, we have such good Bible studies on Wednesday night. Uh, really, come out. Pastor Dietrich is speaking this Wednesday. It's going to be great. Come out. Uh, we, she reminded me of something uh, on Wednesday night that one of the things that we do is we tend to look at our lives and we, or we look at the world and we look at even God through our own lives, through our own circumstances. That's how we see. Those are the glasses that we put on. We, when we want to view God or when we want to view, uh, you know, and assess our lives, the glasses that we put on are our own circumstances. And that's how we view it. But God doesn't see us that way. God sees us through Jesus Christ. And so when you hear something like this, you will never fall. You might say, well, I don't know. I'm kind of behind on my bills and I didn't say the right thing yesterday to my wife. And so, uh, you know, I'm not in that category. But you're looking at yourself through your own circumstances. You're not looking at where God wants you to be. I know you need to know where you are in order to get where you're going. But if you're going to go somewhere, you need to know where you're going. 
I mean, I'm going to be doing some traveling this week. I can't just go to the airport and say, well, put me on a plane. Which one you want to get on? I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going. Here's $400. Take me somewhere. You do that? I don't do that. <laughs> you got to know where you're going. And this is where God wants you to be. He wants you to be in a place where you never stumble and you never fall. That's where God wants you to be. Now, here's what we do as Christians. I don't want to step on your toes, but if I do, so be it. Know that it comes from God, not me. I love you. I would never do that. Who am I to step on your toes? <laughs> Come on. But here's what we do as Christians. We use the life that we have now in our circumstances as an excuse to say, well, you know, I mean, nobody's perfect. It's true. Nobody is perfect. Well, you know, we're going to sin uh, you know, as long as we're in these bodies, and it, it's okay. Here's, here's, man, I don't know if I should, I'm going to use this example. I'm going to use this example. Uh, I, had, I had a situation this past week. He's not going to like it very much, but I had a situation this past week where one of my children, male children, uh, he, uh, He's, he's terrific, as all the kids are. He's terrific in class, and he has a class uh, that he's just great in, and he really loves the class. The teacher loves him, and he loves this teacher. And um, he won some tickets to a concert in this class. And so he told me about it, and I said, that's great. First, my first reaction is, man, that's great. You know, you're excelling, and, uh, you know, you won some tickets. Uh, you know, who, who is it? Who is it? You, who are you going to see? You know, and he said, well, you know, it's g Easy," And I said, okay, all right, you're going to see g Easy." I don't know who g Easy is. Uh, you know, I guess he comes right after f Easy, then g Easy, right before h Easy. I don't know. But uh, he said, that's, I said, well, uh, that's great. And, you know, I thought, well, um, I know there's some things that I've done uh, that my mother still doesn't know about. Come on, I mean, if we just be honest, uh, you know. I've been to some concerts, I've, been, I've done a lot of things, even after I was in church. So I said, well, I don't want to be a helicopter parent, I don't want to be that parent that, uh, you know, it's like all you do all day long is read your Bible and only listen to Christian music and you can't watch any TV and you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, uh, I don't want to be that parent, right? And so I said, all right, well, it uh, sounds good, I mean, you know, my mother, your mother and I will have to kind of see, you know, what this is all about. So I said, well, I'll tell you what I do, let me just listen to a G-Eazy song. And that was the worst decision. My ears are still bleeding. I can't. I mean, I mean, if it was a song, I mean, a sec, now don't get, see, I'm not a prude. I don't, think, I don't think I am. I try not to be. I mean, if it's a secular song, come on, you know, I mean, I'm, okay, there's some good songs out there. There's even some songs that have some language that, you know, they can't use at home. Mm, okay, you know, but uh, this song, I could not get through the first verse. And I said, man, well, let me look up the, the words. I looked up the words on the internet and my eyes. I said, my eyes are, I said, it's bleeding. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. And so I, I had to sit him down and say, you know, I'm sorry, son. You can't, you're not going to the G-Eazy concert. I don't care what, you know. As soon as, he, as soon as I said that, his sister said, I told you. And, uh, but furthermore, here's, what, here's, here's the thing. I know I'm embarrassing them, but here's the thing about it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not mad at him. You know, kids are going to do what they can do. It's, it's no problem. But my thing was the teacher would give him a ticket to a G-Eazy concert. Now, either you don't know 
uh, at all, anything about it. Maybe it's just an older guy, you know, older than me, and I don't know anything, it's what the kids, you know, or if he knew, you know. So I was, I was, I have to admit, I have to admit, I apologize, but I have to admit this, and I really need to repent. I was furious. I was, I was, I was furious. I mean, if you ever seen, you know, a black man turn red, I mean, I was, I was, I was furious that they, that the school was doing this, and I loved the school system. That's the thing. You know, it wasn't like it was a, well, you know, a school system that I would expect that from. <laughs> Let's just say that. I wouldn't, I didn't, wouldn't expect that. And so I said, man, I'm, I'm going up to the school. I'm going up to the school, and I'm going I'm to get to the bottom of this. Well, the next day came, and I did, I made a decision, I prayed about it, and I took a breath, and I decided not to go to the school because... You know, I didn't want the headline local pastor, you know, punches out the principal or, or gets beat up more likely by principal when he swung and missed, you know, or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but I said, I'm just going to call. So I, call, I called the superintendent of the whole school system and, uh, you know, talked to him. He said, no. I, I said, does, does the school condone it? What's going on? And uh, he said, no, you know, I, I don't know anything about that. It was just a teacher. And so here was my, here was my thing. I'm getting said all that long story to get to this. Here's what I talked about with the teacher. I said, listen, I don't expect you to raise our kids. I don't expect you to parent. You're not a parent. It, that's our job. I don't expect you to do that. You, you have our kids for six hours or whatever it is, and you, your job is to teach. I looked at the mission statement on the website, and it talks about how you're supposed to provide a safe environment, and I spouted all that to him, and I said, so I understand that. I said, but here's my thing. Just don't make it hard for me to parent. I know you're not going to parent, and I don't expect you to. Just don't make it hard for us to parent, okay? And, you know, he apologized and all that. And here's what I told him. I said, listen, I don't know what you're going to say, but before you go and launch into what you're going to say, let me just tell you this. Uh, I, I do understand that maybe all the kids are going. Maybe my son's going to be embarrassed because the rest of the class or all of his friends are going and he can't go. Maybe he'll be embarrassed. I said, but here's the thing. Just because everybody else is doing it does not give us an excuse to say, oh, well, everybody else is doing it. I mean, we just, we're just going to surrender and give up to that. I said, I don't, we don't live that way. Once he turns 18 and he's out of my house, then I'm hoping that we put enough in his moral warehouse and my daughter's moral warehouse that that will carry with them. And I'm, I know that they'll make mistakes. I'm not dumb. I know that the kids in school walk around and they use language that parents don't allow them at home. I'm not stupid, okay? I, I get all of that. All right, but, I, but just because they do that doesn't mean I'm going to say, oh, well, they do that, so why not just let them talk like that at home? No, we don't do that. And so he said, yes, you know what, Mr. Carter, I apologize to, to you and your wife. And he said, it was, that's totally my fault. He said, somebody gave me the tickets for free. I didn't know who he was, and I just gave him away. I said, I understand. I get it. I said, I apologize, you know, for coming across the way I did. I was just very furious that you would even give and I said, what? And he said, well, I'm not sure what we're going to do in the future. Maybe we just won't ever give away prizes. I said, no, don't do that. I said, don't, ever, don't do that. I said, just do this. Take five minutes like I did and see what it's about. Just do that. And then Dietrich said, what about giving away some fair tickets? <laughs> you know, I mean, there are things you can do, all right? It just takes a little effort. I understand that. But, but we do this as Christians. Sometimes we say, oh, well, you know, um, all the other Christians at church are doing it, so... It must be okay. And we know it's not, according to the Bible. We know it's not. And I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about the way we live, the way we live beneath the promises of God, 
The way that we walk and we speak and we say, I, I do it. I, I have to check myself all the time. I'm not throwing stones. Listen, I know about the glass. I'm not throwing stones. Trust me. Uh, but I think that all of us need to look in the mirror sometimes and look at the way that we speak about our life and we speak about our friends and our children. What are you saying? It's not lining up with Scripture and we wonder why we don't live a victorious life. Because we allow, uh, just because it, it's going on, it's going on in church, and everybody else seems to be fine with it, then it must be okay. Somebody has to take a stand and say, no, it's not okay. And I'm not talking about be holier than now. That's, see, that's a whole different, I'm not talking about you're being holier than now. I'm just talking about you're a person who says, you know what? There must be something to this. If God said through Peter that you will never fall, there must be some, either I believe him or I don't. Either I, I believe him or I don't. And so at least you've got to try to make an effort to find out what it is he's talking about and try to live that way. I'm, I'm a person, and, and many of you I'm sure are this way. I'm, I, I know that I've come to uh, you know, a place in my life where I, I tell my kids, look, if you feel like the Lord is telling you something or even not to be so spiritual, just if you, you know, you feel something, you have a desire, what you want to be, uh, you know, as long as it's, you're not, you know, it's not illegal, <laughs> you know, and all, you know, you name all the things, uh, pray about it. I tell them that. And if you really feel uh, it, it's something that you want to do in life, go for it. And guess what? If you fail or if you don't get to where you thought you would be, at least you're not going to be 50, 60, 70 years old saying, man, I wonder what would have happened if I would have ever... No, you know, that could be your purpose. That could be your purpose in life. And I, I'm not talking about spontaneous as in willy-nilly. <laughs> of course, you pray about it, you think about it. No man builds a house, Jesus said, unless he first counts the cost. So we know that. But once you've done all of that, go for it. So I'm all about that. I think we should approach Scripture that way. Well, I just can't live up to that. You know, that was Jesus. You know, he was all God and all man. Well, guess what? All this stuff he did was as all man filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Just like you. He was an example to us. These things that we just read in 2 Peter, these are principles and guidelines that must be adhered to to live a victorious life. And here's what I like about it. I'm not even going to get to the first one today, but here, here's what I like about th this whole thing. Is that, uh, you know, please understand, hear, hear what I'm saying. Hear where I'm coming from with this. G God is the creator of the universe. All things are in his hands. We know it. He is the almighty God. He's bigger than the universe. The earth is his footstool, all right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all the other scriptures uh, that you can remember, that you memorized about how God owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, he has set you into a purpose, and he has done all of those things. But with all of that, God has given us free will. He has not made you a puppet. He could have done that. God can do anything he wants to do, but he didn't do that. He gave you a choice in certain areas in your life. Does God ever override that? Yeah, he does. Somebody would say, he never, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. You talk to uh, Jonah about it. Uh, you know, he didn't override everything in Jonah's whole life, but there was one instance where he said, uh, this is going to happen. And so, uh, you know, it's going to happen, right? So, yeah, just like a parent would right but he's given you free will and here's what I like about this thing is that uh, I can't where I am in life 
I can't blame on the man. I can't blame on my situation, my circumstances. I can't blame it on my wife. I can't blame it on my parents. Look, have we gone through things? Yeah. Some people grew up without a father in a home. Yes, I get it. And believe me, I'm not downplaying that. I can relate. I understand it. I'm not downplaying any of that. Some people grew up, uh, you know, they were born with a certain defect or, you know, whatever it might be. Some people were born with a certain uh, a color of skin or whatever gender you are or, if, or where you were born in the world. All of those things, yes, play a factor. But guess what? Guess what evens the playing field? The Word of God evens the playing field because God is no respecter of person. So I don't care where you were born, who you were born to, or what your circumstances may have been, or what they may be now. God calls you an overcomer, and you are more than a conqueror. You are way more than capable of living a victorious life. He didn't say, well, listen, if you were born in America, uh, you can, uh, you'll never fall. Or if you were born a man, you will never fall. Or what? All the, if you were born and you never lose your hair, you'll never fall. Come on. Thank the Lord. But he said, listen, if you do these things, whoever you are, if you do these things, you will never fall. I can't blame it on someone else. But guess what? If I'm able to be victorious, I can't blame that on anyone else either. I can only say it's because of God and it's because I made a choice to follow what he says I can't blame it on anyone else and I mean some of us we come to church and we you know we live victorious today and we shout amen uh, but my thing is simply this what about Monday when you go to work what about Tuesday when your boss is getting on your nerves what about Wednesday when you found out the bill that you owe what about Thursday? What about Groundhog Day? What about Sweet Potato Pie Day? What about Labor Day? What about all these other days? God said, I want you to have a victorious life, not a victorious Sunday. I want you to live a victorious life. He, and, and the other thing about it is, notice what he said here through Peter. He didn't say, if you allow me to, I will add these things to you. That's not what the Bible says. He said, if you add them, and if you do these things, not if you think these things, not if you pray these things, not if you hope these things, but if you do these things, you will never fail. We're talking about victorious living. And there's eight things here. He talks about faith. He talks about virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and also love. We're talking about victorious living. Let me just give you this, and then next week we'll start getting into the eight things. Here's victory defined for me. This is what we're talking about so that we're on the same page. The, 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 the dictionary says that victory is an act. First of all, let's stop right there as you read that whole thing. It's an act. Victory is an act. Action. Okay? You don't sit and get victory. Not in this context. It's an act of defeating an, an enemy. Oh. Defeating an enemy or an opponent 
in battle. We must be in a battle, in a game or some other competition. We must, now that's a dictionary, but we must be in a battle. And so you cannot sit back. If you sit back and let it happen, you will certainly lose. You, I don't know that you can guarantee victory, but I know that you can guarantee defeat. In fact, you yourself can't guarantee victory, but God through Peter just gave us a way to guarantee victory. I just, I don't know if you heard this a little bit earlier when we kind of said it, but he uses never fall, just in case you didn't hear it earlier. Now, let me, let me take a, a side note right here and just say, some of us may be in different situations in our life, uh, you know, maybe financially, maybe, uh, it, you know, there's something going on, that, that thing that so easily besets you, maybe there's a, uh, you know, an, an illness, maybe uh, there's something going on with your mind, and uh, you think I'm uh, uh, coming at you and talking about you and exposing you. No, I'm not. I'm not doing any of those things, because all of us have been there or may be there, and God is just reaching down today to say, look, I just want to pull you up out of that place to a new place. That's all I'm trying to do. See what the devil has done? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of just being that hamster in the wheel and doing the same thing over and over? I want you to be where I am. I want your mind first to be on uh, heavenly things. And I want to bring you to where I am. And then it won't matter the things that come against you because you're going to be walking in victory not only on top of your circumstances, but through your circumstances. Listen to what Smith Wigglesworth had to say. I found this, and I believe this to be so, so true. Smith Wigglesworth said this one time. He said, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christian people, watch now, are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. It is an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it's difficult to tell which place they are in, whether in the flesh or in the spirit. I believe that to be so true. That should be a burden of all of us. And again, can I remind you that it starts by looking in the mirror. I mean, I don't want to just look out and see and judge. No, i got to look in the mirror and say, it's an awful thing for me to see myself, who I profess to be a Christian, lifeless, powerless, and in a place where my life is so parallel to an unbeliever's life that it's difficult for others to tell what place I'm in, whether I'm in the flesh or the spirit. I don't want that. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. We, we, everyone will know that we are his disciples by the love, the God's love that we have one for another. They'll be able to look at your life, and it doesn't have to do with how much money you have. It doesn't have to do, uh, you know, with all of those, but how you dress and all of that, but they'll be able to look at your life. Let me just end. Let me give you a few victory scriptures, and then we'll get into our first key next week. God has given us victory. Do you know that you already have victory? You already have it? You already have it? Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's already given it to you. Well, what do you have victory over? 
There's so many things, but you have victory over the world. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Talk about it next week. You have victory over temptation. You can't stop temptation from coming, but you have victory over it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted. He didn't say you won't be tempted, but he, he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You have victory over temptation. You don't have to succumb to it. There are some things in life that we feel like, well, you know, I was tempted, you know, with uh, the food or whatever it might be, and I was over, able to overcome that, but I was tempted with this thing, and I just can't resist that. Guess what? You can resist it. God has given you the victory. Don't think that you can't. And just because you didn't yesterday doesn't mean you can't tomorrow. Maybe you fail this morning, but that, that's, so what? Get up. Get up and keep moving. That's what God is saying to you this morning. You have victory. If you have victory over temptation, then you certainly have victory over sin. Romans 6, 12, 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it and its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Watch now, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Paul is telling you sin shall not have dominion over you. You don't have to succumb to it. We have victory over discord and worry, hatred, frustration, distress, disharmony. We have victory over all of that. John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So come and get in me, Jesus is saying. Abide in me. I've already, over, it's already done. I've already overcome the world. If you find yourself in a place of stress and discord and disharmony, Jesus is saying, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. I will give you peace. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You have victory over depression. You have victory over depression. Ecclesiastes 9, 4 says, But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know what that means? You're still alive. <laughs> you're still alive. And as long as you're still living, you can do it. You have victory over sickness. 1 Peter 2, 24, So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from in the midst of you. I will take it away. By his stripes we were healed. I just want you to know this morning that you have victory. We're going to get into the keys next week. Uh, those eight keys that he tells us to do. For if you do these things, I want you to remember that. But if anything, I want you to take this away this morning. That just because you weren't successful yesterday, just because you weren't successful last week, just because you weren't successful this morning, understand this and understand it well, deep in your heart. 
You have victory. God has given you victory. Now all we have to do is walk in it. It's as easy as that, accepting him and walking in the victory. Amen.